Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for February the 1st. In the year of our Lord, 2021, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips? As you know... We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. You also know that we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. Did I say that before? If so, it's worthy of saying it again. We are peaceful, ladies and gentlemen. We believe in the Founding Father-esque viewpoint. We believe because they fought a revolution, we don't have to. Yeah. Will they let us remain peaceful? We pray the answer is yes. Let's just start with that reality check. It's been a delightful weekend. I hope you've promoted God, family, and country all weekend long. We were indeed live on Friday. On Saturday, we did a rebroadcast because we were on a plane coming back. Uh, So what happened, you may ask. Well, if you didn't listen last week, you're missing out. There was a great couple of shows that were going on. Uh, So we literally uh, did the broadcast on Thursday. Then we took off on a plane to uh, Minnesota. We went to a place called Lind, Minnesota, very tiny, tiny, tiny town, uh, just outside of Marshall, Minnesota. Uh, And we were there with some friends of ours. Sam and the Good Sheriff, Richard Mack, broadcast live from Lind, Minnesota, from Haven's Garden Restaurant with uh, Larvita McFarquhar. And um, she's the owner of Haven's Garden Restaurant, havensgarden.org, to learn more. And it was two hours of in-person reflection and education dedicated to Larvita and her valiant stand. Hour two, Sam and Mac broadcast live and continued with Larvita. Larvita was let go, by the way, from coaching high school gymnastics. The ultimate question is why. We talked about that in detail. Anyway, great show. At Friday night, we spent time together. Uh, with several people, and Richard Mack was able to speak. I was able to give a little uh, discussion speech as well. Uh, I, in my speech, talked about Are You a David? Sheriff Richard Mack's book quite a bit. One of the things I love about that book is asking the question to each one of us. Are you a David? What does that mean? Are you willing to go up against Goliath government, huh? Or Goliath big tech, or whatever the issue may be. Those who are trying to destroy... All that we hold dear as Goliath was in their day, right? Anyway, uh, critical discussions, and we had a great time, and we were together, and it was peaceful, and nobody melted down, and uh, we tried to get a hold of the sheriff. Of course, he was too busy working on the cocoa stuff. He was too busy helping the vaccines. I don't know what that all means. I don't know why sheriffs need to be involved in vaccines, but there you go. Anyway, very interesting. We had a great time. Uh, Met some wonderful, wonderful people. Our prayers are with them. Now, I had to go home uh, after that 
because we had some radio shows to run over the weekend. But Richard Mack was able to stay, and he was able to go see Lisa Monet. Who's she, you may ask? She's another lady that is fighting the good fight uh, and being attacked by government. They're trying to shut her and her restaurants down as well. Anyway, to make a long story short, there's five key folks fighting in Minnesota uh, to keep their restaurants and their establishments alive. We talked to some gym owners, meaning owners of gyms. And they're struggling as well. One guy, and I won't give his name, literally spent big money, man. Almost a million dollars trying to stay alive in the COVID. And now he's out of personal savings and everything else because he tried to, he thought he could just bridge the gap and then they'd eventually let him open. You know, they started out telling you, hey guys, if we just have a couple of weeks of flattening the curve, we should be good to go, right? Was that an intentional lie on their part or do they really think a couple of weeks would do it and now they find out it's not true? I don't know. I'm sure it depends on the individual. I don't think there's one answer or one size fits all of that. I really don't. Anyway, we had a great time in Minnesota. Uh, we're hoping to keep restaurants open. Larvita McFarquhar uh, doing a great job and refusing to close. And I have some interviews that I recorded with her daughters, their teenage daughters, uh, from like 14 to 21 years old. And these daughters say even if the mom gets arrested, they're going to open the restaurant. They're not going to close down. And they say even every one of them, they don't want to be arrested. They pray they don't get arrested. But if that's what it takes, that's what they'll do. So we commend these people for their civil disobedience. Richard Mack brought up at his speech over the weekend in Minnesota, and I was there live with him, but uh, in his speech he brought up Rosa Parks and said, hey, what's the difference in Rosa Parks not being willing to sit in the back of the bus and her civil disobedience versus these people's civil disobedience? Remember, Lavita's black, right? What's the difference between um, Rosa Parks' disobedience and their disobedience to stay open as a restaurant? The answer is none. And we should be standing by these people doing their very best to say, listen, I can't close down. I can't make a living. And when I can't make a living, uh, you know what? Then I don't know what to do. And what the bureaucrats would do is say, well, take a stimulus check. She doesn't want stimulus checks. What she wants to do is work and be left alone. Can you imagine an idea like that? All right, that's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Friday, Saturday. We did a rebroadcast so we could fly back to Utah. Had a delightful weekend. Hope you did as well. And now news the networks refuse to use on this fantastic February 1st starts now. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, uh, Sam. Thank you. Man, we've got so much to talk about, so little time, my friend. Let's kick it off with domestic enemies. Ron Paul writes the column, sir. He does, and he posted at campaignforliberty.org. According to many Democrats in Congress, along with a, a rabid corporate press, you, Mr. Citizen, you and me, Sam, we're the ones, we're the enemy, if we don't agree with their collectivist views. They say you need to be deprogrammed, Sam, even though they're the ones that control all the mainstream propaganda and programming, right? They're, they're, yeah, yeah, we knew domestic enemies. We need to be deprogrammed. Well... We need to remember what John Brennan, the former head of the CIA, said. He said something like, uh, American intelligence agencies are moving in laser-like fashion to try to uncover as much as they can about the pro-Trump insurgency that harbors religious extremists, authoritarians, fascists, bigots, racists, nativists, even libertarians, end of quote. So that's could be you and me. Uh, Ron Paul continues, but what's worse than Brennan's words are the actions Congress would take to create 
Patriot Act 2.0 with the January 6th U.S. Capitol melee as the excuse. And here he names it, Sam, H.R. 350. That's H.R. 350, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, or DTPA is the acronym for that. That bill was introduced in the House one week ago. And that bill would create a whole new domestic wing of the Department of Homeland Security. This new office would completely turn the surveillance state inward and target American citizens living within the geographic boundaries of the state who happen to not agree with the current administration. It really sounds to me like the Alien and Sedition Act all over again, Sam. He concludes his column yeah, with Yeah, but hold on. All over again, but backed by high tech. Yeah. And what I mean by that is every photo, every broadcast, or everything you do publicly will be recorded, will be monitored, will be photoed, will be videoed, will be sifted through. So it's almost like the old days, but on steroids, Lowell. Yeah, Big Tech uh, is certainly, you know, either coercing or being coerced to play along, or maybe there's a monetary incentive for them to do so. I'm not sure why, but they're definitely in bed with big government on this one. Almost eight years ago, says Ron Paul, whistleblower Ed Snowden alerted the entire world to the abuses of the Patriot Act by demonstrating exactly how those extraordinary powers that had, used, had been used to collect the data of nearly every American through our technology and mobile devices. In a rush to destroy the enemy through domestic snooping and persecution of dissident groups, the left will sow the seeds of freedom's destruction. End of quote. And we simply cannot let this stand, Sam. It's up to patriots the country over to stand up against this and stop H.R. 350 from from being approved by, in Congress. I completely agree, but Edward Snowden got slaughtered, Julian Assange got slaughtered, and so, you know, it's going to be a tough road to hoe to stand against this. They've got very um, manipulative ways to turn the people against one another uh, and to come out of it. That's why it's called domestic enemies. Who are the domestic enemies? And I submit to you that projection is in play here. The real domestic enemies are pointing at you and I. And so their projection, you know, they claim that we're guilty of things that they're literally guilty of, et cetera, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we got to save the filibuster. That might just be the uh, way to stop some of this, but that's going to be hard, too. <laughs> that is. Now, many of you know that a filibuster in the Senate can prevent the Senate from approving a congressional proposal, you know, by a mere majority. In other words, a filibuster can be accomplished with 40 senators. So to overcome a filibuster, you need at least 60 senators. Well, folks, this is really one of the few remaining congressional roadblocks on the side of liberty. But the Dems, they want to discard it now that they have a 50-50 split in the U.S. Senate. But they have the benefit of a tie-breaking vote of Kamala Harris if a vote is split along partisan lines. So if they can get rid of the filibuster. All right, let's talk they... about it a little bit more, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, the filibuster. Is it a good thing, a bad thing? Let's break a little bit down so you understand, and then we'll talk about it. Liberty Roundtable Live. The 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right, so a lot of people don't really know what a filibuster is, Lowell. Catch people up really quick on what a filibuster is, and then I'll, I'll mention Jim Stewart there, buddy. Hey, yeah, that's a great uh, great movie. Filibuster is when the um, when, when a senator will stand in, the, in the, the well of the Senate and just simply talk. Uh, this is allowed and by Senate rules uh, in the U.S. Senate. Somebody can stand up and just talk for as long as they want. There's no way to cut them off in, in debate. Um, if they want to talk, they can keep on talking and thereby basically stop the business in the Senate for as long as they can talk. Now, in, in order to invoke cloture, which ends the filibuster, you need 60 members. Of, and this is, a, this is a new rule. I mean, it's, maybe it's decades old, but it was not in place when the U.S. Senate first met. They didn't have a rule that you could invoke cloture, but they do now. And you can invoke cloture with 60 senators concurring. That can stop a filibuster. Um, and so basically what they're saying is that if there were 40 senators who were in favor of, um, you know, um, stopping some action, then those 40 could actually stop it because it takes 60 to invoke a, a, a cloture. And there's only 100 senators in the chamber. So that's kind of what the filibuster is. It allows people to keep talking to stop business from happening. Now, let's be very clear. There's no filibuster in the House. By the way, they have strict rules against talking too long on the House floor. The Senate has a filibuster based on really a loophole that permits the senator's right to speak endlessly on the floor. President Aaron Burr declared in 1805 that the Senate not be burdened by too many rules or procedural rules, what they called it. 
And um, the idea was, hey, we want to end debate on legislation to move forward. Um, on Burr's recommendation, the Senate basically pushed for this. The minority party senators soon figured out after they dropped rules limiting it that talking endlessly on the Senate floor could prolong debate, quote, somewhat indefinitely. And uh, the first successful filibuster was was recorded in 1837, basically, when a group of Whig senators who opposed President Andrew Jackson filibustered to prevent Jackson's allies from expunging a resolution of censure against him. Uh, Anyway, then we mainly hear about a filibuster uh, in the uh, movie, um, uh, Who Goes to Washington? Mr. Smith. (laughs) Mr. Smith goes to Washington. That's where we kind of see a a serious stand in a filibuster. But believe it or not, uh, that's a movie. In real life, Strom Thurmond uh, literally beat Jim Carrey's filibuster in uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He dehydrated himself before he went, etc., etc., and he actually beat it in real live Senate hearings. And the goal is to stall the process and has frustrated senators up and down the line for a long time. Now, Woodrow Wilson asked for a change after his push to arm merchant ships after the German U-boats. It was the run-up to the World War One. Um... Anyway, Wilson denounced the senators who installed his wartime proposal. Um, Here's the bottom line, though. Some are debating whether they're constitutional or not. You know, do you have a constitutional right to stall the thing and speak and rally public outcry against the tactic? So Rule 22 was put in place. Rule 22 authorized a two-thirds vote to invoke cloture. Or an official closure of a debate, if you will. So, on a vote of a supermajority of senators, the rule limits concession of a pending matter to a final 30 more hours of debate. Rule 22 was first successfully applied in 1919. Anyway, it goes on and on, but the point that you want to understand here is you got all kinds of rules and regulations. Constitutionally, though, they can make up their own rules in the Senate. Lowell, that's the important thing to understand, right? That's right. So with that, I don't know that we can debate if it's constitutional or not. They can make up their own rules. It is constitutional, right? That's right. Now, some claim that it's not because they're saying, oh, you just can't do that. You can't hold people hostage or whatever else. But in my mind, uh, the reason that they wanted this is because it provides a check and a balance to discuss and debate things. And I wish somebody would have used this, in my opinion, to stop right after the, quote, January 6th meltdown that took place at the Capitol. Everybody just kind of went along and voted on this thing. But I wish somebody would use the filibuster and say, look, we're not moving forward with this until we have an appropriate debate on vote fraud. Of course, nobody used it then, Lowell. Hmm. That's a good point. How come, I might ask? Hmm. I don't understand why they wouldn't have. Nobody Uh had the guts, I guess. They were too afraid of being a, what, terrorist? Yeah, being labeled as a domestic terrorist under new rules, I guess. Um that's a good, good question. There's a lot of uh, such questions. Sometimes it's, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's not possible for them to, to debate everything or to, to stop everything. Maybe they used up their political capital, so to speak, but, but I, I don't know. It's a really good question, Sam. All right, so I don't know if you know this, but less drama, more limits should be the kind of order of the day to some degree. 
changes in Senate practice would eventually curb the drama of the filibuster. See, in the early 1970s, ladies and gentlemen, here's what happened. Senate leaders adopted changes that allowed more than one bill or matter to be pending on the floor. So it used to be one bill at a time. And then they changed it and they said, we're going to have a bunch of bills on the floor at the same time. Before, with only one bill under consideration at a time, a filibuster could stop all other matters in the Senate as long as the senator kept a talking. But now with multiple measures moving at once, leadership could simply set aside a controversial bill as, quote, theoretical debate continues and move on to other matters in the meantime. By 1975, rules were further changed to make it easier to push for cloture. Uh, anyway, so a three-fifths majority to end a filibuster. To make a long story short, that this is just rule change after rule change after rule change after rule change that have got us to the point we're at right now, Lowell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's uh, interesting in the House, the U.S. House, they had a rule as uh, in, when, when they first started the House that the, the whole body would decide where bills would go, to which committees and who would serve on those committees and who would chair those committees. But uh, sometime in the 1850s, 60s, 70s, right along in there, the U.S. House decided, okay, we, we leadership is, you know, they gave that power to leadership and, and the U.S. House leaders were in them empowered to decide who's on what committees and what bills went to those committees. And so basically it made the members of the U.S. House um, uh, subordinate to the leadership in the U.S. House. In other words, you had to curry the favor of the leader if you wanted to as Senate committee, if you wanted to chair a certain committee, if you wanted your legislation heard. And so this um, this this has carried on right down to the present day. One of the, the rules that I lobbied uh, Rob Bishop uh, when he was in the House to, to do was to, to not vote for that rule, but to allow the committee membership and committee bills to be voted to, to go to the various committees rather than, than letting the House Speaker decide all of that. And if you empower the House Speaker with that kind of authority, then he becomes the the kingpin. And in order to get yeah, anything done... They call done, them super senators. In other words, they have more mm-hmm. power than every other senator. And really what all this comes down to is, in my opinion, the immorality of the people. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is, hey, when you uh, are using all kinds of ways to pull the lever of government in your favor, and you're enacting this rule and this, you know, vanguard or this protection or this super majority or this, you know... Uh, extreme whatever to get the vote stopped and or passed and or you're always manipulating things to try to give somebody the unfair advantage at the trough of public uh, legislation. And and so I'm for the filibuster only because they've created this super majority kind of discussion and you've got to be able to do something. The, the problem is what we've done is we've taken senators and created an unequal playing field for them. Some senators are more powerful and greater than other senators based on their longevity, based on the fact that they have a lot of money in their campaigns and a lot of influence, maybe based on that they come from a larger state. I mean, it goes on and on. But uh, to me, uh, all this is really shenanigans in an effort to get one's way uh, at the expense of the rest. Um, And so the filibuster right now has been kind of put up as a patriot's tool to stop the abuse. And that's what it was uh, when Jim Carrey uh, was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. But the reality of this discussion really is every time they change the rules and make it harder for people who represent us to do their job. So let me give you the example. The senators should be put in place by the states, not by the people. 
And if we got rid of what, the 17th Amendment? Then you would have senators put forward by the states. And then each senator would have their own state's backing for discussion and or accountability for not doing what's right. And so we've taken away that check and balance. Therefore, now we need a gazillion rules to try to get fair shake, if you will, uh, at the trough of public legislation. Uh, the, every time we make moves that debunk or de-back, if you will, the checks and balances, we have trouble. And it creates disaster. So I would drop the 17th Amendment, I would get rid of the two-thirds majority, and I'd get rid of the filibuster. Because if we had real checks and balances, we wouldn't need fake ones. Quick pause. I'm with you, Sam. Lowell's response, then we'll move on. Hang tight on Liberty Roundtable Live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Coronavirus cases appear to be slowing as the rolling seven-day average in the U.S. has fallen by nearly 40% since a peak in early January. But even as hospitalizations are also falling, deaths remain high with an average above 3,000 a day over the last week. But some experts warn another surge could be on the way with new variants spreading. Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb tells CBS's Face the Nation that the current crop of vaccines should protect against the strain from the U.K., but newer, more transmissible variants from Brazil and South Africa could be a different story. Immunization and prior infection appears to be protective against the B117 variant, as protective. That's not the case with the Brazilian and South African variant, P1 and B1351 where prior infection, the immunity you get from being infected, as well as the immunity you get from vaccination, does not appear to be as protective against those variants. This is USA Radio News. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program it's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs, too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, Think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. President Biden's mask mandate begins Monday night. Jeremy Scott has more from the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau. Masks will be required to be worn at transportation hubs on planes and all forms of public transportation. The CDC issued the order late Friday following an executive order signed by the president the week prior. If we do this as Americans, the experts say by wearing a mask from now until April, we'd save more than 50,000 lives. The CDC says people must wear masks that completely cover both the mouth and nose while awaiting, boarding, disembarking or traveling on airplanes, ships, ferries, trains, subways, buses, taxis, and rideshares as they are traveling into, within, or out of the United States and U.S. territories. The Department of Homeland Security says TSA workers now have the authority to enforce President Biden's mask mandate at TSA screening checkpoints and throughout the commercial and public transportation system. 
From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. This is USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to save the filibuster, and we're defending the filibuster primarily because of the climate we're in. Okay, what I really want to do is I want to get rid of the 17th Amendment. I want to have states in charge of senators as the people are in charge of the House representatives creating an incredible check and balance that we've lost. And I want uh, to get rid of the two-thirds majority manipulation rules. And I don't want all these rules that manipulate us into less valuable answers. The filibuster is not great. I'm not a big supporter of it. Uh, But given the current environment where there's no checks and balances, there's got to be something. So I say that a filibuster is constitutional, and I support one, and I agree we've got to save the filibuster as it currently stands. However, I think if we just quit meddling and quit dismantling and quit creating all these rules that, that shift power in uh, unconstitutional, unfair ways, we wouldn't be in the boat that we're in at all, Lowell. So just anyway, a final note on that. Yeah, I, I totally agree, 100%. Uh, just, a, just a measure, it's a, it's a rule uh, that will enable us to Stop, you know, uh, the approval of like the Green New Deal, big gun control, more taxes, higher taxes, new taxes, whatever, more tax on our liberties, you know, by the by the Congress. That uh, you know, ideally, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have be having these attacks if if people actually followed the Constitution, adhered to it, then we wouldn't need this device, this uh, mechanistic device. But given that it's maybe one of the last things that we have to defend. Uh, against attack, you know, defend uh, freedom from attacks by by Congress, and that's why you know we're consigned to use it. Um, so I'm I'm with you on that 100 there, Ken. Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate it, sir. When fascism comes, it'll be wearing a mask, right, Ron Paul? Amen to that. Yeah, he, his column is spot on there at RonPaulInstitute.org. Um, almost immediately after his inauguration, as you know, President Biden. Um, somebody called him Quid Pro Joe. <laughs> Biden began creating new government dictates via executive orders. One of his orders imposes a mass mandate on anyone in a federal building or on federal land. Another requires passengers on airplanes, trains, and other public transportation to wear masks. And that news clip over the news break said it's going to go into effect, you know, straight away here this week. So. Anyway, he writes, the Biden's mask mandates contradict his pledge to follow the science. Studies have not established that masks are effective at preventing the spread of coronavirus. Regularly wearing a mask, though, can cause health problems. But let me stop you there really quick and make a vital point, Lowell. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Let me say this again. It doesn't matter if masks work or not or accomplish the task or not. What matters is the president of the United States has zero, let me say this again, zero authority to legislate. And so it is not a law. It is a criminal act by the president. Uh, And the reality is um, he does not have authority to legislate. All legislative powers rest with Congress. All right. And so go read your Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't say all except for if you think Macs work. All except for the, okay, the criminal president has literally legislated from the Oval Office that he should be arrested. Okay? 
because all authority, he doesn't have authority to do this. And we act like he does. We say, oh, well, Sam, they've had executive orders for a long time. I know. And they're wrong every time. And that doesn't mean that he has authority. But this is so blatant and in your face, mandating all the way down to the local level. We're talking about planes, trains, and automobiles that are ride sharing and everything else. The only thing he can't mandate right now is your personal automobile. But literally all travel he's mandating masks for, and he's a criminal. He doesn't have any authority at all. Congress should be up in arms about this. The people should be up in arms about this. He should literally be arrested and tried for treason because he knows that he doesn't have this authority. Now, you can say I'm way out of control and extreme, but I submit to you they're way out of control and extreme. Lowell? Yeah, I totally agree, Sam. Uh, you know that the Constitution, uh, people would argue, I guess, that uh, Biden's order is an exercise of the government's constitutional authority to, quote, regulate interstate commerce. But the states, didn't, they, they granted authority to Congress to regulate interstate commerce, not to the president. And furthermore, regulating interstate commerce to the framers meant the protection of free trade among the states. It did not mean that they could prohibit trade among the states or prohibit the transportation of persons from state to state. That is not what is meant by regulating interstate commerce, to make regular the flow of goods from state to state without tariffs. That's what the framers meant when they said, gave to Congress the authority to regulate interstate commerce. And so, the reason this is only- so critical and the reason I go so boldly and so hard against Biden on this is because once we say that he can force masks, what else can he force by political edict? Well, what other could- items can he use <laughs> that simply circumvent the legislative bodies for what purposes and when? And if you let him do this, at some point you won't have any logic you won't have any realism to stop him at all, or any president in the future. Lowell? Yeah, I totally agree, Sam. If they can mandate a mask, they can mandate a vaccine. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a slippery slope. And, um, you know, I guess an executive has authority to command executives, you know, those in the executive branch, to, 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 to do things. But, um, but certainly not. The, the domestic issues of a state, he has no authority, zero authority, to mandate in you know within a state, and so there's very few areas, geographical areas, Washington D.C. You know, Congress has has the authority, but but not the president, and even then, it's just very very small, limited geography that uh, the president can execute can issue an order that affects you know his, his people who are employed by the executive branch of government. That's and not only does he not have authority to do this at all because he circumvents legislative power and violates the checks and balances known by our supreme law, but it gets worse because he's mandating these masks based on a lie. John Rappaport breaks this down for us very nicely, but it's this lie that backs it. He says you got to have a mask because you got to stop the COVID, uh, and it's a national security safety measure. you got to stop the COVID. The problem is, Lowell? That COVID has not been proven to exist. This is the shocking research of Christine Massey. Now, Christine Massey is a woman who sent basically freedom of information requests to dozens of Canadian institutions seeking records that describe the isolation of the SARS-CoV-2, which is the alleged COVID-19 virus, from an unadulterated sample taken from a diseased patient. She then said that her requests, you know, were not limited to records of isolation performed by the respective institution, 
and they're not limited to records authored by the respective institution. In other words, she, she wrote to the CDC, but if they have records beyond themselves, she wants those too. Rather, they were, they were open to records of isolation performed by anyone, anywhere on the planet. Well, as of January 22nd, that's just two weeks ago, only 46 institutions and offices had responded to her request. And every single one of them failed to provide or even cite a single record describing the actual isolation of any SARS-CoV-2 from a patient sample by anyone anywhere on the planet ever. In other words, Sam, 46 institutions have responded to her request and none, zero, have indicated that SARS-CoV-2 has been isolated. By isolated, we mean separated from other material, which means we actually found the virus and identified it. So here in all capital letters is the essence of John Rappaport's article. Actual isolation means that the virus exists. Inability to isolate it means there is no proof that the virus exists. So because 46 separate agencies found no records of isolation available, then aren't we dealing with fraud, Sam, lying to the public? That's what I think we're dealing with. Rappaport says the virologists claim to have isolated the virus, but in reality, they claim to have it isolated in a soup of human cells, animal cells, toxic chemicals, toxic drugs, and other material. Some of the cells are dying, they say, so the virus is to blame. That is preposterous, Sam. The chemicals, the drugs, they could be doing the killing. These cells could be starved of nutrients, which alone, fact alone, could cause them to die. So, well, yes, and let Sam, me tell you what's worse. So Joe Biden literally says in my administration, we're going to follow the science. And this yeah. is where he's blatantly peddling dishonest fake news. He's flat out lying to the American people about science. He's mandating masks on that lie. And then we're going to run around and, and shut down people who believe in Donald Trump. I mean, this is literally the making of tyranny before our very eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, and when SARS COVID 19 or whatever you want to say has not even been proven to exist. Now, you know what? People say, well, Sam, come on. We, we know that it makes people sick. We've found patterns. We can build antibodies against it. We can do all these things. I understand what you think you can do. I also understand, though, that you're playing with fire because these vaccines aren't even real vaccines. Lol. They create immune responses by manipulating your DNA. Yeah. But they don't. But they don't really, in the traditional sense, follow what a real vaccine is. That's another problem that no one's discussing. Except here on Liberty Roundtable. You want to know why they don't do what other vaccines do? Because if you can't isolate the virus, you can't put a little bit of the virus in to build up the immune system against it. You got to put in a man-made concoction in hopes that you get it right. And down the road, what you're going to create is sciatic storms in the body, attacking all kinds of unknown things if you're not very careful. It's almost like Frankenstein vaccine. Dad, can you make him stop? Honey, he needs to practice. He's been at it an hour. Well, just trying to be patient. Dad, it sounds like a cat calling for help or something. Worse, a basement full of cats. Yeah. You know, hon, it is a little hard on the ears. Not you, too. Well, maybe we can all play a game. Andrew, do you want to play a board game? Uh, how about we watch a video? Hide and seek? Oh, I don't know. I give up. Maybe we could all just sneak out of the house. Honey, he's nine years old. We can't leave him home alone. And? We can make him practice with a sock. Well, I guess we'll have to get some ice cream. Did I hear someone say ice cream? Family, isn't it about time? Oh, I see the practice hasn't hurt your ears. Well, I'm a serious musician. 
funny that you never seem to get better on that thing. Works every time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hey, uh, where did all these cats come from? As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. So I'm going to switch articles a little bit on you, Lowell. So we're saying that the SARS-CoV-2 uh, can't be isolated. Therefore, it hasn't been proven, been proven to exist. Let's move to how our retrovirus is isolated in the first place. I think it's really helpful to know. Then we'll talk about if there are no virus, why are people dying? But first, let's explain how they're isolated. Because if we're claiming they don't isolate them or they can't, how do you isolate them, Well, Well, this I found so interesting. I'd never uh, heard this explanation before, but it's called centrifugation, which involves a centrifuge. Now, the description of this process surfaces in an interview between Christine Johnson and Dr. Eleni Papadopoulos about HIV. But this, so this is a few years ago, this discussion, this topic, and excerpts of which uh, are reproduced in John Rappaport's column here, found at lewrockwell.com. So Dr. Papadopoulos says, to prove the existence of a virus, you need to do three things. First, culture cells and find a particle you think might be a virus. Obviously, at the very least, that particle should look like a virus. Second, you have to devise a method to get that particle on its own so you can take it to pieces and analyze precisely what makes it up. Then, third, you need to prove the particle can make faithful copies of itself. In other words, that it can replicate. So just, you know, capsulizing what she said, those three things, you have to culture the cells, you know, as from a person with a symptoms of, a, of, a, of the virus. Second, you've got to isolate the virus. And third, you got to prove it can replicate itself. So Johnson Yeah, because if you isolate something and it can't grow or replicate on its own, then it has no viral properties, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, it can't hurt you if it can't replicate. So Johnson then asks the question, can't you just look down a microscope and say there's a virus in the cultures? Hey, that's a valid question. I've asked that question myself. Dr. Popolis replied, no, you cannot. Not all particles that look like viruses are viruses. The doctor then explains that retroviral particles have a physical property which enables them to be separated from other materials in all or in, in cell cultures. That property is their buoyancy or their density. <clears throat> and this was utilized to purify the particles by a process called density gradient centrifugation. And uh, so basically she explains this. She says the technology is complicated, but the concept is simple. You prepare a test tube containing a solution of sucrose, which is ordinary table sugar, made so that the solution
light at the top, but dense at the bottom. <clears throat> and meanwhile, you grow whatever cells you think may contain your retrovirus. If you're right, retroviral particles will be released from the cells and passed into the culture fluids. When you think everything is ready, you decant a specimen of culture fluids and gently place a drop on top of the sugar solution, and then you spin that test tube at extremely high speed. This generates tremendous forces, and particles present in that drop of fluid are forced through the sugar solution until they reach a point where their buoyancy prevents them from penetrating any further downward. In other words, they drift down the density gradient until they reach a spot where their own density is the same as that region of the, sh of the sugar solution. <clears throat> when you get there, there they, they, yeah, when they get there, they stop altogether. To use virological jargon, that's where they band. <clears throat> Retroviruses band at a characteristic point. In sucrose solutions, they band at a point where the density is 1.16 grams per milliliter. That band can then be selectively extracted and photographed with an electron microscope. That picture is called an electron micrograph, or an EM. The electron microscope enables particles the size of retroviruses to be seen and to be characterized by their appearance. Well, turns out, electron microscope photographs of HIV were never done. Just pictures of unpurified fluids from cell cultures. And, and the same problem exists, folks, with coronaviruses. Nobody has taken electron microscope photographs of the SARS-CoV-2. And, and, and therefore, that's why John Rappaport can confidently say, and we with him, that COVID has not been isolated. Sam? This is shocking for discussion because it gets complicated and people are kind of going, well, Sam, look, I don't even know. It's too complicated. The science, I don't, I don't understand. But you know what? All I know, Sam, is, uh, look, people are getting sick and dying, right? You know, how can you say uh, this isn't working? If there's no virus, why are people dying, buddy? Well. And that's where we answer this, this, this notion that COVID-19 is a single health condition. That's the lie. It's not. COVID is not just one thing. This is both the hardest and the simplest point to accept and understand, folks. But if you can understand, if you can accept this, then you understand COVID-19. Let me say that again because it is a new thought. The whole notion that COVID-19 is a single health condition is a lie. COVID is not one thing. In other words, there is no one cause, no single illness. He says, John Rappaport says, the biggest sources of illness we're dealing with are lung conditions, various kinds of pneumonia, flu, flu-like disease, tuberculosis, and so forth. These are being relabeled as COVID. It's a repackaging scheme, he says. People are dying for traditional reasons, but their deaths are being called COVID. Most of these deaths are the elderly and the frail. You and I both know that. They are dying in nursing homes, in hospitals, in their houses and apartments. In addition to their lung problems, they've been suffering from a whole host of other conditions for a long time, and they've been treated with toxic drugs. They get a diagnosis And let's COVID. be clear, if you have pneumonia that you die from, or the flu that you die from, or this or that <clears throat> that you die from, a respiratory illness that they can't name that you die from, and they take these 50 different reasons and they call them all COVID. That's why flu uh, deaths and flu uh, numbers, <clears throat> they're way down, way down. 
and they're not admitting some of these details. But if you take a little bit from a bunch of places, call it all the cocoa, then, you know, the numbers get to skyrocket. And you believe everybody's dying from it. But look, we've already proven that 99% of the people don't even die, folks. So out of the remaining amount, well, they told you that almost everybody's going to die. In fact, at this stage, how many people do we have dead in America so far? Do you remember? No, I don't. I'll get the number. But while we're doing that, let's talk about the deep flaws of the PCR testing because that's where they get the number that everybody's getting the COVID. Uh, And then they get fake numbers that everybody's dying. And all these numbers are literally fraudulent. Let's talk yeah, about the and the test. numbers, and the increase in the numbers is also spurred by the fact that the hospitals in the United States get more money from the federal government if they admit patients with COVID, right? So they, it's in their monetary interest to label everything COVID. Well, they do so they with tests, PCR tests, right? And and they they increase the cycle thresholds of these tests so far that they're that that turns out the test becomes worthless. And because the test labels everybody as positive with COVID. If the lab uses a cutoff of 35 cycles, 43% of those tests would have been considered negative. And if the cycles had been limited to 30, then 63% of the PCR positive patients would have been justifiably been regarded as negative. In testing data that includes cycle thresholds, officials in Massachusetts, New York, and Nevada have found that up to 90% of people testing positive barely carried any virus. If that data were extrapolated to nationwide statistics, the 45,000 new cases reported last week perhaps would be only 4,500. Now let me stop and give you a little correction. When you say only a little bit of virus, only a little bit of a pattern that they believe is virus. They don't know that it's virus at all because they haven't isolated it. But it's a pattern that they believe is virus. Now in the United States right now, they claim... 26,187,932 people have been positively identified with the COVID. Isn't that like one-sixth of America? Yeah, it is. Okay. (laughs) Incredible. No, I'm sorry, one-twelfth of America, about? Mm -hmm. And only 441,000 people have died. And so when you think about those numbers, what percentage is that nationwide? And then you kind of got to dig into how do these people die? And just because you were have a positive test, that doesn't mean that it's true, Lowell. Right. And, and, he, and Rappaport talks about this study by the French research group and the, and the, and the PCR cycles of uh, a test above 35 cycles. He says only 3% of the tests are valid. So that 13 million number you just gave us, Sam, if only 3% are valid, then, then really, instead of, you know, thir- whatever it was, 13 million, 15 26, million. 26 million have been supposedly identified as positive okay. in America. So 26 million, 1% of that would be, you know, 0.26 million, right? So barely 200,000, well, barely 500,000, really. Uh, yeah, have, and, have and that's the amount that they claim has died. Yeah. Oh, have died? Well, so they say that 26 million have been infected. Yeah. And 440-something thousand have died or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the point here is that the PCR test is is just worthless. <laughs> and, and all of the test kits... Well, it's worthless United- if you want to know the truth. It's not worthless in their deception. <laughs> Good point. So if you... Get, and I don't recommend anybody get tested, but if you do get a test, a PCR test, then insist on knowing how many cycles were used in your test and then who manufactured your test. Because the test kits from Quest 
they use 50 cycles. The test kit from InBIOS used 45 cycles, same with Luminex. The test from Genomagen uses 39 cycles. The test from Thermal Fisher uses 37 cycles. All of them worthless with, if you want to know the truth about whether you have COVID or not. Now, by the way, it was All Anthony Fauci that told us that the cycle count matters, and the higher the cycle count, the more problematic the test is. He's the one that told yeah. us that, folks. So don't look at us. Yeah. Good point, Sam. Deep, deep flaws in PCR testing. Don't believe don't believe him. You know, with only three percent of them might be valid. And if you get the test, they'll toss you in a database, and who knows what they'll do with that information later as well. Be very aware of what's going on. By the way, some people are calling it the Czech meeting of America. Cherry Szyzlowski, is that how you say the name? Yeah, Szyzlowski, yep. She wrote an article for RenewAmerica.com, and and a great article. I just want to highlight one small but very important point. From this article, she describes the pandemic's attack on the middle class. She believes it was engineered in Wuhan, intentionally spread to the U.S., but is no more lethal than the seasonal flu. That's because COVID is more than just you know, one thing. Basically, she says the globalists have weakened America nearly to the point of no return by wiping out at least half of our small businesses or more, which means they've decimated our once thriving middle class. And then here's the point I want to make that I want to highlight. The middle class is America. Most countries have a small, super-rich oligarchy on top and masses of masses of poor people beneath them. Only in America can everyone potentially thrive as members of the middle class pursuing their happiness. That happiness has been largely destroyed by American-hating enemies, both foreign and domestic. Well, Sam, I didn't realize most countries didn't have a middle class. That's the point that struck me when I read this article we do have middle class here in America. That's been half the businesses of basically half the middle class in America has been hurt by this policy response to a virus that hasn't been proven to exist, Sam. So I applaud the people in Minnesota who are going to try to keep their restaurant open. And uh, because we need the middle class to survive in America to, 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 so that liberty survives on this planet, Sam. You gotta dig it. A lot of hard-hitting news that Edwards refused to use, ladies and gentlemen. They're absolutely aiming to shut us right on down. Because you know what? If you get the truth, the truth shall set you free. They don't want you to have the truth, folks. They want to peddle their propaganda. They want to shut us down and call us domestic threat terrorists. They want to say we're insurrectionists because we tell the truth. Well, telling the truth, I guess, in modern times is a revolutionary act, so there you have it. But we still stand for peaceful restoration not revolution. Thanks, Lowell. You're welcome, Sam. LibertyRoundTable.com. God save the republic. Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that Edwards refused to use, no doubt, continues now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the broadcast for February the 1st in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. Dr. Bradley with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. 
Well, thank you very much. Always good to you to be with you folks and start off uh, Monday morning bright and early with uh, a few thoughts about proper government. Let's talk about fraud first, shall we, Doctor? I just want to say one word and let you rock and roll for a second, and then we'll dig into my point. I want to talk about fraud. Your thoughts? Well, it shouldn't happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, the idea, the whole idea of fraud is falsehood, is deception, it's ill, it's it's un, uh, it's immoral. It's uh, it's denied by the baseline law of uh, uh, you know the Lord. I mean, you know, this idea of it's the basis of thou shalt not steal. I mean. You know, it's kind of uh, off the rails, let's put it that way. All right. The reason I want to talk about fraud, uh, what's this company called, GameStop? Are you caught up on this? Well, I'm not caught up. I mean, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, I I have a a baseline understanding of some of the things that have happened, but holy cow, I mean, it's uh, the big tussling that's going on there, uh, fraud and falsehood and what the big hedge funds have done is probably as illegal as what anybody else has ever done, you know, on fraud street. Well, so let me give you a couple of headlines that kind of illustrate the point that I want to get at, and then I'll dig into the real point. Headline says this, GameStop short, squeeze. Okay, so it's a GameStop, what they call short squeeze. And then the next headline says, let me get this in front of me here, GameStop stock is soaring thanks to read it here's why or read it here's why but uh, then it says next headline very similar gamestop stock soars as read it investors or reddit investors take on wall street now let me just stop there and say everybody wants to understand all kinds of words and terms and da 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 about this stuff all right, and I want to be very clear for a second. I don't want you to get caught up in all the words, all the terms, uh, because you get a company named Robinhood, you get a company called GameStop, you get all these different companies, and you go, hey, read it, and who's involved, how, where, why, what. It's super confusing. But let me make it very, very simple for you, shall I? The stock market is a flat-out fraud. All right, and you say, wait a minute, Sam, hold on. These companies are publicly traded. They have to prove their worth, da-da-da-da-da. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that companies don't have worth and that you can't get an appraisal on a company or an assessment of what something's worth. You can. I understand all that. All right, but but I'll take anybody on on the planet with this discussion, uh, Dr. Bradley. Uh, I've made my living uh, in finance. I've been a mortgage broker. I've been involved in appraisals many times. I've been in business, small business for a long time. I've been in accounting for quite a while. Um, And I'm telling you, we're being fed a big bunch of fraud. So let me explain uh, the reason that it's a fraud. Now, um, some people say how Trumpism explains it all. Why has GameStop gone up so high recently? GameStop, other retail darlings. It goes on and on and on. But here's what I'm going to tell you. It's all a big fraud. Why is it a big fraud? Because people have the ability to play future paper games. Let me say that again. I'm going to make this very simple. Forget the term read it or you know, forget the term GameStop. Forget the term uh, 
Robin Hood, you know, these companies, forget all that stuff because you're just going to get confused when they try to explain it all to you. But understand that it's future paper trading that's the problem. So they say, I have the ability to promise that I can do something that I can't make such promise. So if I short a stock, I'm saying, I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm gonna play games and pretend I have stocks that I don't, and I'm going to buy them if I have to cover myself if I'm wrong in making this gamble, this bet. Let me say that again. I'm going to make a gamble that something is worth a certain amount, and if I'm wrong, I'm going to have to cover my butt by buying it later. The problem is if you can't buy it later because it's too expensive, you now have to renege. So the point that I'm getting at is it's all a big old fraud. They're playing games. They're lying to you. And it's all based on this futures, which means we can play in the paper game without having to take real delivery of a given entity, whether it be gold and silver, whether it be stocks, it makes no difference. The bottom line is I'm allowed to buy and sell something that I may or may not literally be able to get possession of. Let me say that again. I'm going to buy and sell things that I may or may not literally be able to gain possession of. If things go wrong, uh, I can't gain possession of it. It's either too expensive to get or it doesn't exist to give me. And as a result, the fraud is that we fractionalize this. We say, hey, there's a thousand gold dollars and we're going to trade 10,000 of them because we're going to bet no one's going to take possession of their thousand gold dollars. Therefore, if people called in the halt, called in the con game, then they wouldn't have $10,000 to cover their lies. That's the premise of what's going on here. That's the summary. We'll back into the Federal Reserve in just a second. But Dr. Bradley, is my assessment right? Well, it, it is. And here's this, the situation, though. I mean, it, it even gets worse because of the, and you're maybe going to get into this with the Fed and with political environments. By the way, the, the, the Federalist uh, put out a pretty, uh, an interesting article on this uh, I, mm, last week uh, towards uh, Thursday or so. Anyway, take a look at that if you, you want to read a little bit. The, one of their bylines on it is, the rules are simple. Heads, Wall Street wins tails you lose it's kind of the way the saga goes yeah and but, that makes it so that makes it so simple even though i think that's true that makes it so simple though that people don't really understand it it's, it's very simple true. though we are trading in paper and futures meaning things that we can make promises of that we can't guarantee delivery of and that's why it's a big lie that's why well, it's, it's almost not it's almost not guaranteed delivery almost assured you will not deliver I mean, this is all it is. is it's, well, but it's if I don't have funny. to, because I'm right on my gambles, on my bets, then it doesn't matter, does it? That's right. the lie. That's the claim. Okay, it does but, matter because we're pretending things exist that literally don't, and therein lies the fraud because you're assigning value to things that do not exist as if they have value. That is a fraud. That is a lie. That is absolutely blatant dishonesty, and that's what they're doing. If I tell you that I can buy and sell silver stocks or silver certificates or silver futures, I'm using different words on purpose to make the point. And then they don't exist, then, but they have value to them as if they do exist because I won't have to take delivery or give delivery. Then it's a big lie, and it manipulates the real value thereof based on that fake uh, lie. Um, the lie is based on this idea that we're going to fractionalize. We're going to, even though we only have a thousand silver bars, we're going to play games like we have ten thousand. Don't worry, no one will call a halt to the con game. It's okay. That's what the real lie is. And so you don't need to know, you know, GameStop. You don't need to know Robin Hood. You don't need to know 
uh, read it and what they did and how they did it and all that kind of stuff to understand my point. Because you can find a gazillion shenanigans with super complicated details. But the fact is, it remains simply true. Whether it be the 2008 scandal and meltdown, whether it be this scandal and meltdown, they're all based on the same idea that we're going to assign value to value that doesn't exist. That's the reality of what we're talking about, Doctor. So then what happens when when political processes uh, pump bazillions of dollars, literally, into a system? The Fed provides it without, um, you know, it, it's just... Money, money. They're printing this. They don't even have to print it. They they do a computer entry, and uh, for example, I mean, it it fuels a fire. Uh, normal stock exchanges on a given day is probably about four billion shares of stock, and you know all the stock markets put together. Last Wednesday, it was twenty four and a half billion exchanges. I mean, they're just pumping money into this thing, and and well, you look at what happened during the Trump administration. Uh, almost eight trillion dollars were admittedly entered into the economy. I think it was much higher than that because the Fed does whatever it does, and it doesn't even report what's going on right now in in many instances. But all of this funny money going after funny, valueless items is just, it's like pouring gas on a fire. And and, uh, if you've ever poured a little, even a cup of gas on an existing fire, it flares. And that's what's happening with this. And people are going to get burned. They really, truly are. I would not be surprised to see a stock market collapse in the next few months because the bubble just gets bigger and bigger. At some point, it, t- it pops. You look back, even as far as you, well, let's go back to the uh, the tulip run back in Holland hundreds of years ago. Sooner or later, people realize, hey, there ain't no value here. What are we spending millions of dollars on a tulip bulb for? And suddenly the market fell apart, and, and I'm... I think this thing that's happened this past week with the hedge fund managers and everything, I think that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg of what's going to be exposed over the next few months. Because everything's based on funny money. And the Fed is at the very basis of it. We'll get to the Fed in just a second, because you're absolutely right. That's the core, and that's the real point that I'm making about this fraud. We'll get to it in a second. But look, how... Uh, compared to all the explanations people try to give, how simple and reality-based is mine? I'm simply saying they're buying and selling things that don't exist in reality based on fractionalization or based on futures, knowing that they won't have to take delivery. And if they were forced to account for all that they buy and sell and trade, the con game would be ended tomorrow. I don't care what names you plug into the matrix. That's the reality. Is it that simple? Dr. Bradley's response in seconds. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. 
American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. So I'm saying to you, this is easily understood fraud if you take out all the minutiae and all the complications. You don't got to understand every trade. You don't got to understand all these complicated terms and company names and everything else. You just got to understand this. They're buying and selling things based on unknown prices to be reality in the future. And because they don't know the prices, they're going to gamble on how to handle those that pricing. And if they win, they get rich. If they lose, they get poor. It's a big old gambling reality. And if people were forced to take possession of these stocks, not agree to future possess something, then the halt the the halt to the con game would occur because they are trading fractionally. They don't have all the things that they're trading for. Um, somebody who sells something short says, I'm going to buy it back if I lose, if I have to. But what if they can't buy it back? Okay, somebody says, I'm going to buy and sell silver or gold futures. But what if they can't get possession of the gold? That really is the simplest way to explain the con, the lie that's happening, Dr. Bradley. Well, our entire banking system in the nation is a fractional banking oh, kind of process. Oh, really? I know you're going down that path, but here's the deal. It is based on a con game that the the, uh, cartel, if you will, of bankers, the private, for-profit owners of the American economy, which was given to them back in 1913, um, they are the ones that do this. And and it's like if you go put $100 in there in your bank, they loan it out, loan it out, loan it out, so it's many hundreds of dollars, you know. And and uh, they know that nobody's going to really take the money at the same time. And the way the banking system works, it's uh, it's all paper anyway. And and we're multiplying our money supply, and that drives costs up. But there's no real additional value found in those things. But then when people get wind of it, and they come in and want to take possession of their money, it suddenly isn't there. It's it's all been, you know, split up so many times and loaned so many times. You, you it's it's just not even available. And 
there's a, a tale I tell, and it's a kind of a parable that I use with young people, two different methodologies. We don't have time to go on the radio with this thing, but, but how pumping money into a system, and I let the kids bid with their own funny money we provided to them, to show how an infusion of cash drives prices way up. And the other thing is is a fractional banking kind of thing. If people hold, held their gold in a bank, but the bank was loaning things out with paper, uh, 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 you know, basically a, a note to pay, and they found out, hey, everybody doesn't want their gold at once. We can loan this gold out many times. And they do, and they make a fortune. But But that's kind of where this has become a real system and the problem is that the, the little guys are always the one that come up short. That's it's, right. Let me, let me give you an example to make the point in the trading market so people understand. Ordering but not executing. Let me say that again. Ordering but not executing. Oftentimes what they use is a term called spoofing. A trader uses a high-speed computer to send out a flurry of buyer-sell orders to make it look like there's incredible supply and or demand. In the market, they never intend to complete the trades, but the practice can distort prices for a commodity, right? That artificially moves the price of the futures. That's one way they do this, all right? But you got to go back to gold and silver to really understand it because it's easy. Instead of it being all on paper, you simply say, hey, if you don't believe me, why doesn't everybody who bought and sold gold, silver, platinum, whatever you want to call it, futures, why doesn't everybody just demand delivery right now? If they did, the con game would be over. That's the easiest way to understand this. Now, believe it or not, there's a there's a article that are, will articulate this for you very well. It's called How XJP Morgan Silver Traders Guilty Plea Could Boost Manipulation Claim Against the Bank. This was published back in 2013, ladies and gentlemen, by guess who? CNBC.com, okay? They've known about this for a long time. This is nothing new, and it's been going on for well over 100 years. And they act like they're so incensed by it, like, oh, my goodness, it's dishonest. We got to crack down on the bad actors and the, the bad guys. But here's the problem. It goes back to the very core of the United States government, and they're the ones doing this. And without the Federal Reserve fake money system, the stock market wouldn't even exist on real, honest money, doctor. Well, if you go back to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 5, the, the Congress has the power to coin money, period, end of discussion. You look up coin, it has to do with stamping metal, precious metal. It has nothing whatsoever to do. In fact, when the Founding Fathers were met together in the uh, Constitution Convention of 1787, there was a... Uh, uh, discussion about uh, ability to issue writs, this, this paper money, credit money. And uh, uh, Reed out of Delaware, I believe it was, said that to allow that would would basically be worse than, than the mark of the beast spoken of in the book of Revelation. And uh, they, they understood this paper money scam that is foisted upon the nation today. That not backed by anything but the full faith and credit of the United States government. Well, okay, you could talk about that. How much faith is there now in, in their ability to deliver anything? And since 1913, about 98% of the dollar has been eroded. That's, you know, 
decimals after things. But, Eroded but really means destroyed, ladies and gentlemen. It, that's right. It, what used to you've lost ninety eight percent of the purchasing power of the dollar that's from right. nineteen thirteen. And, and I agree, eroded is the right word, but I want to be very clear though. Don't when you say eroded, it makes it sound like oh, it's just been kind of you know limited a little bit. No, it's been absolutely crushed, ninety eight percent destroyed by this belligerent, dishonest, immoral technique, doctor. And and you know uh, this this idea of inflation, which is caused by pumping. Uh, additional funds into now inflation sometimes if you go to california in 1849 there was gold pumped in there it drove prices up but by and large if you take out uh, well even if you leave those in there if if you were able to look at where the american dollar had been it was pretty steady in its purchasing power until basically we fouled the system up with the with the federal reserve establishment when they took control and were able to manipulate the money and uh, I think it was John Maynard Keynes that talked about the fact that uh, one out of a million wouldn't understand this inflationary process, and they could actually be stealing your money, and you wouldn't know it was happening because they're printing the, your your value, uh, the purchasing capability of the dollars was was diminishing, and they were manipulated on the other side because they knew where they were putting things, and they were able to basically take possession of any of the hard assets that were out there. So it's it's a mess. It's a total mess. But, but that's and I why think, I say when they act like that, the Congress is going to look into this now and they're going to put rules in place to stop this and manipulate this or that. The bottom line is the government's created this con game. It started with dishonest money in the Federal Reserve. They have fractionalized banking, fake money. They've destroyed 98% of the real wealth um, with constitutional currency over this. But let's be very clear. Every paper trading, futures, stock market, this, that, whatever you want to say, fractionalized, whatever, downstream from that really has to go back to the rotten core. And this is why I tell Americans, you know, I appreciate that you want to solve this and this and this and that in America. But if you have every single transaction at the core fraught with dishonest money, dishonest value, every single trade has dishonesty at the core of it, um, and you expect honesty to be downstream from that, like, hey, let's clean up the stock market. Let's be honorable and fair about this trade or that trade. You're never going to have honesty if the core is corrupt and rotten all the way. Never, doctor. It's not possible. Well, here, this is kind of think about this for a second. Gold has always been gold, right? Yes, sir. I mean, it, it hasn't changed. It's it's always been what it's what it's been, you know. And and you know they back you know the. A hundred years ago, it was twenty bucks an ounce. Okay, today's spot price is approaching nineteen hundred dollars an ounce. Okay, has gold changed? No, not at all. Gold is still gold, but an ounce now costs you almost nineteen hundred dollars. And and the fact of the matter is, it's because we've had pumped into the system. Now, in my book, I've got a a uh, you know that I wrote. Uh, a few years ago, called to preserve the nation. You've heard it advertised on your program. Um, I, I review what happened to the the German mark back in 1919 when they started the printing presses, and 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 it's astounding what happened. It went from 170 marks per ounce of gold to 87 trillion marks to an ounce of gold. And then we're on that path, and we're not admitting it yet because of some things that have been done on the petrodollars. But when, when we go to a different basket of money, 
Oh, baby. We're going to find out how much the dollar's really worth. Well, they're working on a financial, I'm going to call it Operation Jubilee right now. And these stock market swings and manipulation and claims of fraud are at the core of it. Will they call a halt to the con game? Yes. Let's see what happens. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Homeless activists with a group called Oli Housing took over the Red Lion Hotel in downtown Olympia, Washington after booking 17 rooms and opening them up to the homeless in the area. The group had demanded that Thurston County continue to pay for the rooms with Federal Emergency Management Agency funding. Seven people were taken into custody on Sunday when law enforcement rushed in. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony J. Blinken condemned reports that the Burmese military took control of Myanmar and detained senior leaders. The Biden administration has called for the military to reverse these actions immediately. Myanmar suffered five decades of military rule and international isolation that began in 1962 and was heading toward democracy since 2011. A group of GOP senators will meet with President Biden on Monday after pitching their own coronavirus relief framework. They said, we appreciate the president's quick response to our letter, and we are pleased to accept this invitation to the White House. End quote. USA Radio News. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining and bloating again and again. No way. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Linzess and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Let's get a stimulus package update with USA Radio News' Jeremy Scott. President Biden said Friday that his $1.9 trillion relief package would pass with or without Republican support. Biden's top economic aide, Brian Deese, told CNN's State of the Union. We're certainly open to input from anywhere where we can find a constructive idea to make this package as effective as possible. But the president is uncompromising when it comes to the speed that we need to act at. Senator Bernie Sanders, incoming chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, tells ABC's this week they will work with Republicans. Republicans. If Republicans want to work with us, they have better ideas on how to address those crises, that's great. Senator Bill Cassidy on Fox News Sunday says the president's administration did not reach out to the group of Sweet 16. But if you want unity, if you want bipartisanship, you ought to start with a group that's shown it's willing to work together for a common solution. They did not. Cassidy is among 10 GOP senators who have released their trimmed-down plan and are calling for bipartisan negotiations. From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. USA Radio News. The globalists are launching a worldwide great financial reset, doctor. And they're doing it because they know we're going to discover their con game and expose it. And so they're letting it happen because they know it's going to happen anyway. 
But what they have planned for us is far more sinister than the dishonesty at the core of every financial transaction we've already experienced. I'm going to call it Operation Jubilee uh, as a way to kind of refer to this massive great reset. But look, they act like the stock market. Oh, my goodness. Um, The stock market was fine, but some bad guys found a way for a loophole to manipulate it and get rich on it and take down uh, big business and uh, whatever. And that's all a lie. They've been doing that forever. And the problem is they just don't want competition. You know, this this entire monetary thing, it really is, we're kind of at a hinge point in a lot of things in in the world today. Uh, but but the monetary system that has been established and is set up right now is is really on the verge of collapse, and, and there's a lot of ways they could bring it about. Uh, right now, our national debt, in round numbers, is $27.86 trillion. That's the admitted national debt. That's $84,142 per citizen. Okay? $84,142. You look back at what the world was when in 19, excuse me, 1800, uh, you know, your per capita debt, that's every man, woman, and child, in 1800 was $15.63. You look at 1900, 100 years later, bigger country, we'd, been, we'd had some wars, war always causes debt, but it had grown less than double, $28.12, $28.12. Now, you know, 100 years later, we're 84,000 per citizen. And what, is, what has caused this is dishonesty, fraud that you've talked about. Our total economic system is based upon a fraudulent approach to the way we're doing this fractionalized banking. We've got a private banking consortium in charge of it. The Wall Street insiders are the ones that are pulling this off. But there's probably a bigger picture as you're pointing out, I think, Sam, that there's uh, some globalists that are, that are rolling the dice right now. We've got a plutocracy uh, running everything right now. I mean, a plutocracy is, is different than a democracy or a republic or, or even an oligarchy or monarchy. A plutocracy is where the wealthy drive things. And, and you look at this, the billionaires that are, that are calling the shots and all of these things, and they're doing it all for their benefit. It's a greed-based kind of thing. And uh, this private banking consortium is all part of that, the, the Federal Reserve. But anyway, we're in a mess right now because we have allowed the baseline principles to be violated. And we've got to re- return to those or we are going to lose our reti- entire economy. And I, I, I'm afraid that it's going to be based on an international uh, program that will absolutely decimate the American economy in favor of, of the whole rest of the world. So you're calling it a jubilee, though. I don't think I, the Leviticus um, chapter 25, doesn't it talk about a jubilee year? That's not what we're doing. I mean, well, hold on. <laughs> remember the, the hold Sabbath on. day? When we say that's not what we're doing. Listen carefully. So okay. it is Operation Jubilee. Remember, everything righteous and good and honorable is counterfeited by Satan and his globalist minions. And so what they're doing is mocking a biblical real jubilee that could make some sense. Forgive thine debtors and reset with a moral code behind it and everything else. Um, what they want is a jubilee, though, uh, the, a, a satanic jubilee, uh, the equivalent thereof. But what they want to do is morph us into a globalist reality. That's why the globalists create a 
Worldwide Great Reset, a.k.a. Operation Jubilee. They want their own Jubilee. See, they, they've got God complex. Right? They believe that they're somehow God and that they can do this Jubilee, put us into a global utopia, and they'll be in charge. These people think they're in God mode. Okay? And these people think that they have absolute dictatorial control for the good of us all. Now, as deceived as some of them may be, some of them are just pure evil. Nevertheless, they want to create this reset and create a satanic mock jubilee, but with their aims in mind, doctor. Well, they it's kind of like, I guess, Animal Farm, if, if you're... You've ever, or I don't know about kind of like. I say it's absolutely like. Yeah, well, all are created equal, except for more created than more equal than the others. And that then is right. The pigs took over, and they, 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 they were the big greedy turkeys. They weren't turkeys; they were pigs. But uh, you know what I mean. I mean, the everybody else basically lost their status and standing as as they gained they gained ascendancy. And so I, you know, there's some talk about, you know, you won't own anything in this new world. That's, that's correct. You won't need to. They'll take good care of you, my friend. Sure. This is loving I and mean, kind it, and gentle. And I mean, it's for your good, doctor. The workers' paradise that came into, uh, say, Cuba, for example, in the late 1950s and 60s, and has continued to unravel. I mean, the the old Soviet Union and the debauchery that went through, the French Revolution that happened, that Pol Pot and his deal in Cambodia. I mean, you look at every instance where you have had these these uh, great and magnificent, uh, no, uh, you know, elites that know better than us all. I mean, the uh, Franco-Prussian uh, war, Paris Commune, in every instance. I mean, you look at our own Congress right now, for crying out loud. They lack the skill of governance. And, and you look at, well, even your latest news report that you had on they're going to do a $1.9 trillion coronavirus. Uh, where the heck is that money coming from? It's, it's funny money everywhere we turn. And the, the Democrats say they're going to put it through without Republican support. The Republicans have been doing it the last four years, for crying out loud. I mean, we, we added almost $8 trillion, admitted $8 trillion, because it's a lot more than that, really, in the Trump administration. And, and that's a horrific number where they pumped money into the system. And and it's like pouring gas on a fire, and like I say, it flares up and people get burned. No question. And, and so, now I want you to compare really quick a, bibli- a biblical jubilee, as you point out, to what they've got planned. In my opinion, it's absolutely a satanic mockery. What was the year of jubilee? That was the fiftieth year. The fiftieth year. Yeah, and what did it mean? What happened? Well, everybody get their old debts are forgiven, and and uh, everything is reset, and it goes back to, you know, society. If it's got out of whack, it's kind of start over again. But it's not done in a way that puts everybody on top of the stack on top of the stack that is is planning it. It's it's kind of a, a process. Yeah. So what they want which... you to do is they want you to believe it's a biblical jubilee. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to we're going to forgive your student debt. We're going to forgive all your trespasses. I know you made mistakes, Doctor Bradley, with your finances. You haven't been as responsible as you should be. But we love you, and we're going to forgive you. But what the tyrannical reality is in this Operation Jubilee by the satanic counterfeiters is, but you're going to owe your complete allegiance to me. Yeah. You got it? See, that's well, where that, they're going. The way, Am I right? Is that what's happening? It, it, absolutely. And, and here's, I mean, it's a it's a slight modification, but in, in intense purposes, it's the same philosophy. When the people got so sick and tired of the debauchery and, and all the bloodshed, everything else that was involved in the French Revolution, they said, please save us from ourselves. 
And so uh, there was this guy standing in the wings named Napoleon. He says, I can do that. I can take care of it. But you've got to give me all power. You, you sign a contract with me and my posterity that we will be your emperor forever, and we will be the sum and substance of all power in your nation. And of course, they did it because they were so desperate. They were trying to be saved from themselves because of their own stupidity and what they'd allowed to happen. And then Napoleon spent the next many years tromping around uh, Europe, murdering and pillaging and plundering, and he killed off a generation of Frenchmen, and, and there was just debauchery all across the, all of Europe because of Napoleon. And, and that's basically where this always goes. I mean, you, the, the way the, the Marxist approach of, of conflict and turmoil and everything, it always results in, in a kind of a, a meltdown. And, and the, the new order of things... Well, by the way, is, an intentional meltdown. It is absolutely intentional. And, and they constantly have found this to be a really good program. You talk about diabolical and satanic programs. He's got the program down good. He's been doing it for thousands of years all across the world. He's found the human nature. And by the way, that's the basis of what the Constitution was designed to do, was to prevent the natural man, human nature, from being able to accrue power and then begin to abuse it. And that's why the limits and bounds, the checks and balances, the delegation of power, all of those kinds of things happened in the Constitution, was to prevent a kind of a, a meltdown, if you will, where the natural man, some individual or group, was able to gain ascendancy over everyone else and then begin to abuse the power that they'd obtained. Founders knew that. It, it has nothing to do with technology. It has everything to do with human nature. But that's where they're pushing this, and because we have set aside those limits and bounds that were so wisely established, and, and a president, by the stroke of a pen, creates law? Are you kidding me? And, and where the Congress thinks that they can pillage and plunder, maybe not even this generation, because we're out of money, the next 10 generations with trillions of dollars in debt that, that are owed to a, an organization, a private banking consortium, consortium that created the money out of thin air and loaned it to the nation at full value at the interest. A flat-out fraudulent lie. Dishonest as all get out. Quick pause, Dr. Bradley, in seconds. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, 
you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. The satanic lies that government can forgive all your debts and get you to trade almost your soul, your allegiance to them. That's where they're going with this, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you right now, they act like they're all incensed because the stock market's melting down and people have taken advantage of it. Look, the government has been taken advantage of with big business forever of the rest of us, whether it be silver trading, uh, you know, gold, silver commodities, whatever else via the stock market in these futures. It's all a lie, and it's all made possible by the Federal Reserve's example. They've created the greatest con game ever known to man. And we seem to just kind of let that live. And when I bring this up, people dismiss me and go, oh, well, Sam, it's really bad. But let's move on to the, to the current crisis. Then we'll deal with the, the, the larger issue later. No, you can't deal with the larger issue later because it's satanically based. Okay, Satan creates something out of nothing. Satan lies and deceives you and wants you to believe that all is well. But ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a launch of a satanic jubilee, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're talking about. It, it's disaster, doctor. And um, people don't want to admit to it. You know, even back in the Federalist Papers, if people will go back and read, I mean, we're, we're talking hundreds of years ago, people understood this stuff. I mean, we give you dozens of quotations by the founding father about, uh, you know, national debt and about uh, funny money, you know, the paper money things and all that kind of stuff. But even Alexander Hamilton, who was a, uh, a paper money kind of guy in so many ways and, and had so many challenges and Anyway, it's less like it off on Alexander Hamilton, but but the fact of the matter is, he he recognized in the Federalist Papers about a power over a man's subsistence is a power over the man. So if someone has power, if if they control your private property, okay, that means that they can control you. If they control your tools, you're a mechanic, and, and they they own the tools. All of those things are where we're going in this situation right now. If we own nothing. We will be basically serfs and servants, and and that's where the people in the old Soviet Union, Cuba, Cambodia, China, you name it, anywhere, they control the means of production and, and uh, distribution. That is what the definition of socialism is. And so, if in this year of the jubilee they end up taking control of all things, oh, you won't need to own anything. We'll provide it, kind of thing. They will provide it at your control, Think for, uh, to control you. Think for a moment. If, in fact, a mom or a dad is there and they've got hungry little kids and they can't provide the food for them, and, uh, golly, what would you do to keep your kids from starving and sitting there crying with the, you know, they, they can't survive, all this, I mean, you become very compliant. And um, 
that's where they're taking us with this. You cannot control the means of production and distribution. And, and, and if, if they, you allow that to happen, you will no longer be a free people. And that was understood clearly. A, a couple of Federalist Papers, Hamilton addressed those issues. And, and I'm just so disheartened that those that govern today in America seem to be absolutely bent on implementing this diabolical program that's diametrically opposed to the, to the system the American founding fathers set up for the general welfare. You know, that's a predictable uh, society in which there's a, uh, you know where it's going. The economy's not going to go belly up because you've got sound money. You're not going to have civil disruption because you have justice in the court systems. You're not going to have foreign invasion because you've, strong, you've built your borders strong enough that you don't have that kind of thing. All of these things are going to, by the wayside, as we go with these that don't even know how to govern. And, and we keep electing them. And, and I'm not just saying this current crop of anything. This has been going on for decades, and, and the people put up with it. It's, it's absolutely diabolical. And this globalist launch of a reset, a.k.a. I'm calling it Operation Satanic Jubilee, is because they want to mock everything honorable and biblical and righteous. With their own plans, they love to do that. And they're using, really, the coronavirus, global, uh, whatever you want to call it, warming, global warming or financial, I'm sorry, uh, climate change is their latest term or whatever else, uh, and uh, stock market meltdowns just eroding your trust everywhere as the catalyst to eventually push for this. You know what? The stock market and your normal current currency is so uh, ruined by bad guys we got to protect you. we got to move to a different currency. Hey, you know what? Um, you, you've been deceived. The bad guys have destroyed. Uh, big business and capitalism has destroyed the environment so bad now you got to kowtow to the climate change discussion. Uh, man, this coronavirus and these illnesses are getting so bad you got to. And they'll just simply spiral everyone down in fear. And they'll move forward with more and more and more and more control of everything. For example, Joe Biden just created a mask mandate. Biden signs order requiring masks for the United States. Any form of, quote, public transit, even down to the Uber level, ride sharing, will be you'll be forced to wear a mask before, during, and after your ride while you wait for it, while you get out, everything. Now, in my opinion, the president's literally a criminal. He has no authority to, to sign such a document. He's legislating from the Oval Office. That's criminal activity. He should be arrested immediately. Now, some say, Sam, you're too bold on this. And my response is, no, I'm not. Because if we allow him to do this, what else can he just mandate without anybody else's say but his? This is a very, very serious, uh, I would call it a jumping off point, that there will be no return from, Doctor. Well, part of the problem is that the, the, the previous guy signed gobs of these kind of things, too. And the previous yes, he did, and he was wrong that, for doing previous, it as well. We should arrest them all. That's the problem, is that we, the people, have abandoned, you know, Article 1, Section 1, all legislative authorities with the legislature. But just go back to the money for just a second. They're going to they're gonna reset money, and it's going to be one that we can trust and all this kind of stuff. Here's a baby example of it. Here's what happened when the euro came out. Oh, we're going to, this is going to be the new thing. You won't have to watch all of the different currencies, you know, whether it's the French franc or the British pound or whatever, you know. And, and this will be a universal currency. It's going to be so cool and all this kind of stuff. Well, 
that mural has been debauched over the years, and it is lost and lost and lost its purchasing power. And, and it's, it's just an example of how they continue to trick us into thinking they've got the solution this time. Oh, we messed up last time. Oh, I know the Great Depression was brought on by the Federal Reserve, but we've learned we're not going to do that anymore, you know. And, and what has really happened is that they were so stupid, we don't learn from the past. If well, and they've allowed all the these bitcoins and digital currencies and the, the dishonest lies about blockchain and all this kind of stuff along with using PayPal and money transfer systems, Google Money and PayPal, and now everybody uses Venmo and everything else. They have trained us to accept the new plan that will be easier, better, more simple. How dare you go against our, our, our benefiting you? They're setting well, the stage for that with every move they're making. Again, Satan's had thousands of years to perfect this human nature understanding that he has, and, and he, he changed the names a little bit. You know, you change from the League of Just Men, or the Illuminati before that, to the Communists. I mean, it's the same poison. Oh, you're a, you're a democratic socialist. Oh, well, you're, you're probably okay. Oh, you're a national socialist. No, that's Nazi. Oh, you're not okay. Whatever. I mean, you look at everything that's come down through the years, it has been a rewarming of the previous poison that we had. And, and you look at World War II. It was a big gang war. That's all it was. Which socialist party was going to be the head of it? The Communist Party or the National Socialists, the Nazis? Or, or was it going to be the, the Italian flavor or the French flavor? Everything is just a reworking of all of these debauched solutions that are, no, that are not solutions. They're actually an implementation of tyranny. When we have a magnificent, magnificent God-inspired program, if we'll just go back to it, and we'll apply it. We still have the organic constitution. The words that were written in 1787 still have the same meaning they had in 1787, in spite of all the efforts to, to change the definitions and everything. And they we'll truly the have the power to roll back power seekers. In other words, not to seek for power, but to pull it down. And it still has the ability, based on the principles, to create the greatest country, the most peace, the most prosperity, the most stability, uh, the the freest country on the face of the earth, they created a constitutional republic, which for moral, honest, righteous people is the balance for success until the Savior comes. The only challenge to this balance is that too many people are ignorant of the truth and how to restore and how to hold the line, uh, while uh, bureaucrats and globalists and, and, and satanic destroyers uh, would violate and the only question becomes before the Savior comes, how much abuse will we take along the way based on the decisions that we do or do not make, Dr. Bradley? You know, Jefferson said, a nation that expects to be ignorant and free expects what never was and never will be. Hosea said a very similar thing, as did Isaiah. We must not let our ignorance destroy us. And really, I believe even before ignorance comes virtue. I mean, well, we don't want ignorance, obviously. We must be a virtuous righteous people if we're going to preserve this nation. We've got to look to the God of the land, who is Jesus Christ. And if we will do that, as the Founding Fathers did, we can restore this. But we must not be ignorant of of the wiles of Satan, if you will, and his attempts, and, and pretty successful attempts nowadays, to foist this upon the people. We have the people at the head of this government today that are held in office for the benefit of their agenda, and their agenda is satanic in its origin. That's a pretty bold statement. 
But if you look back at the comparison uh, to the uh, to the diabolical tyranny and the enslavement that happens under his plan, I mean, you can look at everywhere from Pharaoh forward if you want. I mean, uh, we, we could talk about Pharaoh someday. I've got an interesting philosophy about Pharaoh and how he obtained his power and, and what ended up, how he ended up being able to enslave all the people that were under his reign, including the the uh, uh, the Israelites. Um, but it had to do with controlling their ability to provide for themselves. He held all the grain for crying out loud. And if people came in, he said, "Yeah, well, give me all your silver. I'll give you some eat." You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you if you got a plate, you can go over there and you can live in that uh, area there, and and we'll we'll provide for you and everything. But sooner or later, he ended up controlling and being a tyranny, and and it took a Moses to get them out of that problem. And when you and, understand that this is biblical, and the war waged in heaven, uh, where Satan was cast out, continues on the earth today. It's not hard to understand the points we're making here, and that's why I bring up money and I bring up Satan and the Operation Jubilee and mock of an honest moral jubilee and everything else is underway and you need to call a halt call a halt to the con game by educating against it people need to understand what's happening uh, and if we do we have a prayer of solving some of it for ourselves wise preparation is key uh, but turning to god is the only real uh, ultimate answer and as a nation i'm afraid we're not doing that and therefore we're going to reap the whirlwind i know that sounds negative folks but i provide a witness and a warning dr bradley Indeed, uh, we must return to the God that gave us life and uh, truly granted us this magnificent land and the magnificent principles that he established here so we could be free and worship him and serve him and take upon us the name of our Savior and provide for our families. All of those things are predicated upon righteousness, and we're going to have to, you know, reap the whirlwind, as you say. I fear. Uh, all I can tell you is let's pray hard and work hard and do everything within our power to have peace, prosperity, and turn to the Almighty Author of the universe and the author of our liberty that is the savior jesus christ he has the real power to save don't go to the false satanic saviors folks you'll have nothing but disappointment and sad times ahead our prayers are with you ladies and gentlemen we stand for education god save the republic of the united states of america (laughs) 